Welcome to the Griff Report, live Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. I'm your host, the Griff God. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Oh, this is a real Hotep, brother. Hotep to the chat. Hotep to the Hotep of Stanies. Hotep. What up, y'all? I got a special guest here with me today. We broadcasting live from the Hotep Cave somewhere in Hotep of Stan. I got me joining me today, Matt christensen matt christensen what's up man welcome to the channel thanks for having me i'm happy to be here that's a sweet soundboard you got there i need to step up my game that's pretty cool <laughs> my collection of celebrity shout outs yeah, yeah i really appreciate those guys alex is truly the man um we have much time here with you i just want to get right to nitty-gritty um how did you become matt christensen the podcaster um <laughs> You know, what, what were you always in broadcast media? Was it something like, oh, I can do this too? How did you come about and get into broadcast? Uh, total media? accident, actually. I got onto YouTube in about 2012 and I was doing video game content. And the reason I, I started doing it is because I played way too much Call of Duty back then. And I, I was living in California away from all my friends and my family. And so I spent way too much playing that game with them and not enough time, you know, making friends in real life like I should have been. But if you've ever played online video games and you've had interactions with the random people online, when they get really angry and they start talking trash, that's the interactions are hilarious. So I started recording those back when they were still good before, you know, Microsoft and Sony and the rest of them kind of clamped down on that. But I, I for for several years, I made. I made videos on a really niche channel just about people raging at my friends and me playing Call of Duty. Over time, it became harder to make that content because the companies cracked down on a lot of that chat that made it so funny. But I had this established YouTube channel and I wanted to continue talking about stuff. So I just started talking news and politics and and that sort of stuff uh, around 2015 or so. And I used to be uh, a reliable democratic voter and around the same time that I moved away from video game content, it was right around the start of sort of the Trump era and a wait, lot of, wait, wait, why were you a Democrat voter? Well, because that's what I thought. I thought they were the good guys. That's, uh, that's what was it? Because like your parents were Democrat voters or I, I just always kind of had been, I mean, I was a, be mm. a big believer in, sort of the social equality values that they were articulating. And I was a big believer in government's ability to provide opportunity where maybe business or private actors don't. Okay. And so, you know, it was the Obama era and, and he was a very popular politician. And I, you know, I don't say that with any pride. I wish I would have been smarter then, but I wasn't, you know, I was in my twenties and there are a lot of things that I would do differently now if I were reliving them. Okay. But as I moved away from video content and into, kind of news and political commentary that was sort of the, the start of the trump era and back in 2015 2016 i didn't like trump really as a, a policy guy but hmm. i watched the people i thought were my team being progressives or leftists however you want to characterize them celebrating things like shutting down his rallies by force other ways of I guess, compromising the values that I thought we believed in chief chief among them free speech. Mm -hmm. And so as I watched the betrayal of those values, I, I started to think over time, you know, what else are they wrong about? What have I been misled about? And that really has brought me to where I am today, which, you know, fast forward 
six, seven years. So hold on, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So if I were to type in never Trump with your account, would it pop up? No, no, because I, I actually voted for Trump uh, in the primary of 2016. That was that was oh, the wow. first Republican vote I ever cast in my life. Mm. So it's always my relationship with Trump has always been more on like the entertainment level, even though I think he's done right. some did some good things on, on a policy level. And um, and, you know, I, I would vote for him again and I expect to. Mm. Uh, it's always been just like. For me, my appreciation of Trump is the show. Yeah, and I want to see the show continue coming into Thanks. 2024, which I I know rationally speaking is kind of a, a bad reason to support a candidate, or at least I'd like to have a, a set of policies I want to see pursued. But for me, I'm so disillusioned with DC and the idea that anybody's going to go in there and clean it up and fix it that I, I just want to see the, the show that Trump provides. And that's kind of where my mind yeah. was at in 2016, too. It was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with everything he's saying, but the people who oppose him are dead wrong. And I love the show he provides. So whatever, I'm doing it. And that's how yeah, it I, I, I'm, I'm here for this show. Like I was looking at, you know, what his cabinet might look like. And I uh, and you can tell me if you agree, disagree, substitute. But I had uh, Trump Prez. I had Vivek VP. Uh, and Laura Luma, press secretary with Sonny Johnson <laughs> as chief of staff. What do you think about that lineup? Uh, it would make for the show. Yeah. It would make for the show. That's all I Laura Luma as press secretary. That's probably the most interesting <laughs> pick among them. But like I said, I want to tune in. And if I'm thinking that the entertainment value here is paramount, uh, that would provide it. I would be uh, I'd be surprised to see Vivek picked, though. And I, I've been pleasantly surprised with Vivek, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'd oppose it or think? something like that, but I, who I don't got? know. I don't, I, well, I well, think there's I, prediction in who you want, right? So yeah. who's your prediction and who do you want? Oh, who, who I want would be Rand Paul and who okay. I want as president would probably be Rand Paul, but that's not, that's not happening. But right. a Rand Paul pick would be great. Who I think I was expecting or am expecting that he's probably going to go the woman route, you know, I, but Nikki. I'm, I can't imagine that. And he said something the other day or over the weekend to the effect of she's out, like she's not in consideration. <laughs> yeah, I, I've God. been talking to some friends about this, just, you know, like friendly bets about who it might be. And and my pick last week was Christy Nome because she's kind of okay. just disappeared. She hasn't said much lately. She is actually the betting favorite, which surprised me when I looked it up. But yeah. My friend pushed back on me and said, no way, because she had uh, she is speculated to have had an affair with Corey Lewandowski. I'm not sure if that's legit or not, but he was saying she wouldn't be brought in for that reason. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Um, I I think, I think Trump might go the woman route and and I, you know, I don't want people picked for their demographic characteristics, but it sounds like D to me. Sounds like the woke right to me. Yeah, probably. But I I think, uh, I think that's the direction that's going to go. Then again, I'm wrong. Because I, I think that the whoever I think the campaign theory is going to be we got to appeal to a certain we got to appeal to certain demographics who might not be in our in our camp. One of which but would Vivek be like could deliver New Jersey because he's Indian. I, I'm not uh, arguing the wisdom of it. I'm just saying, like, I think that's the theory. I think they'll probably look at like where Trump underperformed last time around. And I know there are a lot of questions about last time around, but right. Um, Suburban women, for example, underperformed for Trump or he underperformed Mm. with them to bring in a candidate who they think could pull that kind of vote, I think, is the theory they'll probably pursue. It's very safe. It's very boring. But I think that's probably the route they'll go. 
Maybe not though. I'm I'm wrong in almost all my predictions. So that's good trash. I feel like the Democrats have done such a terrible job that you don't got to play this game this time around. Just come with the the big shots. You know, let's go with an all male campaign. Women should be at home cooking and cleaning. We don't need them in politics. And just go from there, man. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Uh, Trump has a very wide latitude in things. He's his Overton window is very big, I guess. What, what he can <laughs> say and people will forgive him. Not that I'm saying your point is wrong necessarily. I'm just saying it would be right. shocking from a mainstream politics perspective to have someone come out and say, you know, I don't think women belong in politics, period. If anyone yeah. could say something like that and maintain broad support, it would be Trump. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be curious to see how that, how, what the reaction would be. But, All right. Let's get back to Matt, Matt's yeah. views. Um, so let's fast forward. You were not a never Trumper. Voted Democrat pretty much your whole life. Flipped a switch. Voted for Trump. Um, and then at some point, the algorithm hit you. Did did you experience some negative reactions from the uh, algorithms of the internet? Yeah, uh, I think everybody who's in this sphere could could testify to it. Um, sometime mm-hmm. around 2019, first there was the adpocalypse, which I'm sure you're familiar with where mm-hmm. YouTube started deciding what sort of safe content was going to receive ads or not. And mm-hmm. then around 20, 2019 into 2020, they started deciding who was a reliable news source or not. Mm. And you know, very clearly my channel or channels like mine, I assume maybe you're involved in that too. You are not trustworthy to the people at YouTube. And so what that means is um, I've only, I've only been suspended a couple times. Like they've taken my channel off for a week or two here or there for ridiculous things. But what shut off at that time was YouTube's referrals to new traffic. So back in the old YouTube, if you made fantastic content that that people were engaging with, if you really put out something special and everybody was commenting on it, everybody was liking it, that would get rewarded in their system. The system would respond and say, well, clearly people are engaging with this. That must mean there's something good about it. Let's push this to new eyes and and get it some traffic. Now, there is, at least on the channel that that I have for myself personally, I have my own, you know, my own core audience that's very stable and I'm very thankful for. And, and um, you know, they're, they're watching our stream every Sunday. And, um, and when I was posting my individual content there, they're there every video. And so that maintains. But you can see in the uh, in the channel data, YouTube sending that to anybody new. It's it's a ghost town like it's it it does not happen. So this weird effect where like, you know, I exist in this kind of dark corner of YouTube. If you know about me or you've listened to my channel for a while, you're there. But nobody new will ever discover it. And it doesn't matter. I could break the most important news of all time. Not that I'm saying I was, but, you know, it doesn't matter what I post or the value in it. YouTube will not push it to a single new eye or ear. And that's been that's been frustrating for the last two or three years. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, um, I look at it as a gift and a curse because on one way, like you've illustrated the curse, right? And the other way is like, it's a gift because, um, 
Now I don't have to deal with the backlash, right? Like I say something and that means that an audience who would have never seen this won't see it. So I don't have to deal with their comments, their ignorance, them reporting my channel. I think you would get, if it was suggested, you'd probably get your account. You probably, your account probably wouldn't last, right? Like people would just report, report, report. And I think yeah. the same thing on Twitter. Are you, do you, How's the Twitter uh, algorithm tweet, uh, treat, treating you? Oh, I pretty much gave up on Twitter. I'll, and I, it probably would be better if I made a, if I raised the point, because I know that a lot of people who were formerly banned have had their accounts restored. Um, for me, I was put into a bizarre ghost world on Twitter too, where all when? of my content was sensitive by default. Like I could post a picture of my newborn son and yeah. they would say that's sensitive content. <laughs> like it's mm. behind a wall that you got to click. And so- when did this happen? Uh, probably about the same time. Um, pre or post Elon? Oh, way pre. Way, yeah. Okay. And, and, ever, yeah. and since he's taken over, you know, I, I still use Twitter as a news aggregator and to just promote my stuff. I don't really conversationally engage on it as much anymore. But mm -hmm. I can see just as an observer, uh, it has improved quite a lot. And I know that for whatever, whatever was applied to my Twitter account in the prior regime, if I just kind of complained about it to the right people it probably would uh have whatever's going on with that taken off but uh but i don't know i just i became so jaded with twitter too it's like yeah whatever i mean i I'll, I'll promote my stuff here but i don't know what they're doing behind the scenes and i'll just i'll, I'll focus my energies elsewhere and you know what you said about um building an audience that uh that is that is loyal and, and an audience that's genuinely interested in what you have to say i've certainly experienced that and we've had um you know, our show on Sundays has done well over on Rumble. When I was still posting my individual material over there, it was doing fine over there too. So there are other avenues to build new things and um, and and try to so reach what, new eyes and ears that way. What do you what do you focus in your energy on? You mentioned you're focusing your energy on other things, like instead of Twitter, you're doing something else. What are you focusing your energy on now? Oh, I just I make my material, and when I say other things, I mean specifically like family. Um, in the last couple of years, I got married. I've had, I've had two boys. One was born six weeks ago. And so Congrats. thank you. And, um, just the, if you're on the internet all the time, it's a, it's a miserable existence. And I say that as someone who loves the theater of politics and I, I find a lot of entertainment in it. And of course I care about our society doing well. I want to build a good future for my family and my son. So it's, it's more than just entertainment. It's about the lives that they'll live. But I also recognize that if I sit on the internet and engage with every random person who wants to pick a fight with me about this or that, I will lose my mind and I'll, I'll have misprioritized my life. That's time I should be spending with my family and with my sons. And, you know, it's difficult enough to, I, I want to make material that's worth consuming. That's worth the time of the click. I don't want to put out stuff just for the sake of putting it out or that's a waste of someone's time that consumes enough of my time and energy that I just, I focus on that. I put it out there. Uh, people can enjoy it, hate it, whatever they want. But, but for me, the kind of social media interaction uh, is not, it's not something that I've put a lot no, of energy I mean, into over the last few years. I, I, I think you nailed it, right? Um, you're talking about opportunity costs. Why you're doing this, you could be doing something else. And that's how I view it. 
you know, instead of me sitting online, you know, arguing with strangers, I could be giving my attention to family. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think that's much better time spent. The ROI over there is much, much, much greater. Spending time with your kids is going to have a much bigger ROI than, you know, some troll, you know, bot online, et cetera, et cetera. So talking about Tenant Media, you signed with Tenant Media when? And what does that deal look like? How much money you get? What was the sign on bonus? How much do you have in your checking account? I need all the details. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send over a bank statement right away. No, I mean, this is this is not like a. I, I wish that I could say I'm living on some like uh, fancy palace, you know, at, at some mountaintop looking down on all you peasants. It's 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 really not like that. But um, so tenant for me has been a great opportunity at the right time. And this was first pitched to me over the summer, uh, late June, early July. Are you, are you familiar with Lauren Chen? Yes. Uh, Blaze personality. So mm-hmm. she and her husband uh, came to me and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about launching a new sort of media group and we're, we're looking at, we're, we're trying to get a group together and we'd like to host their content and just build something that, um, you know, will be sort of an entertainment hub and hopefully a place where, where we can post this content and maybe be a little bit safer from the forces of censorship and all that that are, I think we all expect to come this next year. And for me, that's a very interesting opportunity. I've always been a free agent working independently, and I still am working independently. I, I, I make the material for Tenant. I hand it over to them. They don't, they're not trying to tell me what to say or how to say it or anything like that, which is, of course, crucially important to me. But she and her husband came to me and said, we're trying to do this project. We, we like the stuff that you make. We would like to host it there. Can we, can we work something out where we host this material? And um, I'm very interested in, in working with a group like that that isn't trying to control me or tell me what to say. And so for me, um, it was important to be able to participate in that while also not handing over the whole farm. You know, uh, it, mm-hmm. there is risk in starting something new tenant was started from nothing. They've got some big personalities on it, obviously, but as far as like the channel itself or the, the actual, um, the, the, the website, all of that, it was started from zero and there's risk in doing that. You know, just cause I ask my, subscribers to go over to this new place doesn't mean that they do. I hope that they do, but you don't know that. Mm-hmm. So we worked out a deal where, where I would bring over my individual videos that I make twice a week. They're usually about 15 minutes long, single, single topic type analysis stuff. And, um, and, and they will host those and then, and they're still free to play for anybody. They're still free to access for anybody. They're not paywalled or anything like that, which was also very important to me. And then I also uh, do a, a Sunday show, the Matt and Blonde show, uh, and I've been doing that stream for. We started doing that summer 2016, and uh, I've I've kept that for myself. I've kept everything related to that for myself. That's still on my channel, and um, and and so that was a great deal for me too to be able to take a take a risk in in trying to expand. Uh, exposure to my content without handing over everything I have and retaining kind of that safe home base of my Sunday show and the audience there. And, and it's been great, man. Um, so what was the sign on bonus? hundred K two million. How much did you I, get, man? I wish it was that high. Uh, I, I can't get into specifics. I mean, did there, you get a sign of bonus to be transparent? There, there is compensation, oh, uh, but shit. It, it's not as, it's not as fancy as you might think. Um, okay. And, so you didn't get a Joe Rogan type deal. Uh, no, nor, nor okay. do I deserve one, but, um, <laughs> Is, but yeah, so I mean, how does the deal work? Is there like revenue share based upon viewers of your show? How does that whole thing happen? 
all they're asking for is just the the rights to host two videos of mine a week and I do a Wednesday stream as well. And that's all that's all set. Obviously so, t- so do they pay you per episode? Do you get a salary? What does that look like? I can't get into the specifics of the contract, okay. but I but I can tell okay. you, I mean I, I want to be all in your business, man. Yeah, to be I'm as tra- to be all in your business. To be man. as transparent as possible. Um, there is there is compensation, but uh, but that's as much as I can say. But you can't tell us how the deals are structured. No, I, I don't, and I don't think that would be I don't think that would be fair to them. But I, I'll tell you, if you absolutely, if, you, if you're interested in discussing kind of the business end of Tenet, you know, uh, one of the reasons I'm so enthusiastic about the opportunity is because Lauren and her husband, I think, have exactly the right set of values and 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 have the right idea in their in their heads. And I think if you wanted to talk to them about it, they probably would be open to it. But I can't sure. I can't speak for them. And you know, it's it's not that I I understand that transparency is great and I want to be as transparent with my audience as possible. But I also have to respect their end of it. And I, I Absolutely. You know, I, no, I don't, I don't want, want you that. to break your NDA confidentiality agreements. Definitely not. Um just very interested in how that business is run and how, you know, some of these media outlets are moving nowadays, mm-hmm. um, you know, for my audience and myself, just for, you know, general education purposes. Um, the country is in a very weird place right now, specifically social media. Um, and in some ways it bothers me. Um, do you notice like a rise in white identitarianism? Um, uh, happening online now, or is this just my yeah, imagination? It, it'd be hard for me to measure it, uh, but just in my own gut level, I mean, I would say yes. Uh, and but I would offer just kind of my own experience, and I don't really identify as a, a white identitarian, but I would say that a culture that is constantly, well, Gavin McInnes, I think, put it best a, a few years ago. He said something to the effect of, I never really thought of myself as a white guy until you started telling me that I suck because I am. And then I looked it up and we made all the best stuff or something like that is what he said. Which mm. is a funny point, but there's some, there's some truth to it too. And I don't say that like with animosity toward other races or cultures or something. It's just yeah. the fact that like, okay, a lot, a lot of what has made America great was built by people of European culture and influence. That's just factually true. And I don't, I'm not saying that to exclude another people, but when when someone tells me or implies that I'm a bad guy or that I have inherent privilege or that I'm oppressing others on account of my race, I think the natural reaction is to get a little more protective of that, to get a little more proud of that, to to push back on that. So, so I th- who is that? Who is that that is pushing these concepts? The white people suck concepts or the yeah. I I think it's uh well there's there's been a lot of control uh seized in in centers of influence so whether we're talking about academia or media or I don't know wh- whatever other politics obviously um who specifically is driving the anti-white narrative Yeah I mean I I don't have I mean the list I think you kind of nailed but... it right like with academia for example I think that's a great example of somebody who is wholly responsible for a lot of the agendas driven in this country. Um, I think a lot of the pushback that I'm seeing online to that is sort of the aha, it's your turn now, right? Like, especially from some of the black conservatives I see online, I follow. It's like, 
that was what black men were getting. Like you guys are thugs and you're a detriment to society, blah, 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 blah. And then nobody really spoke up on our behalf, right? Like no, specifically conservatives, right? The only ones that really spoke up were white liberals and Democrats and not for good reason. So, you know, now it's like you're complaining and then we sort of look at it like, oh, well, why don't you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and stop complaining? And, you know, since you invented all the great stuff in the world, this shouldn't really affect you in real life. You know, that's sort of the pushback I'm I'm seeing online. Um, for me, it doesn't seem like there's a real reason to have some of the content that goes out. To me, it just seems like grifting. Right. Like people kind of just want to get the clicks. It seems like it's just a clickbait thing now where they're pushing out all this. Hey, look, you know, Whitey got beat up by a black guy. You know, Whitey got beat up by this black girl in school, you know, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So you really think there is a, a there's there is a legitimate reason to have this, I guess, white identitarian pushback. Well, I, I guess I understand it um, mm. in, in a perfect way. Like, I care about values more than I care about racial identity. Obviously, if I'm deciding who my neighbors are, I care about what their values are first and foremost. Yeah. On the other side of that, people of more of an identitarian inclination will say, yeah, but but values correspond strongly with race and culture, which I think is also an indisputable point. You know, crime rates yeah. are what they are. Uh, voting habits among racial demographics are what they are. So it's not with like any sort of enthusiasm that I say those things. I want all people to adopt good values that lead to prosperity for them, regardless of race. Um, and and I suppose, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink kind of thing. Like you can, yeah. you can preach these values if, if, if people don't want to adopt them and they choose, they make poor choices that lead to their own suffering. I suppose there's not that much that you can do about it, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't, um, do you think white people are affected by this in the real world? Uh, like, affected by what? Uh, this pushback against, I guess, it, I, I want to say specifically, it's about white straight males. Hmm. Um, and then they try to throw the Christian thing on there, too. Do you think this stuff is leaking into real life and people are affected in uh, white men are being um, uh, targeted in real life? Or is this just like an online thing? No, I, I think it's quite real. Uh, okay. one thing we were talking about on the show the other day, uh, white male recruits in the army are down something like 50% over the last five years, I guess to your counterpoint, maybe that's because of some perception rather than anything actually going on in the recruitment. I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that it's all just internet culture that would lead them to stop enlisting in the army. Um, I, I, this week for my Wednesday show, I've been talking to a couple Boeing employees about this airline, uh, this, this door plug blowout on the Alaska air flight the other, uh, week and yeah. about DEI within the company. And, uh, and these are two white male employees, but they're telling me like, yeah, this stuff is going on where people are selected for jobs on the basis of race or on the basis of gender or sexual orientation. And they're being promoted on those demographic characteristics rather than performance qualified high performing white men are being passed over in the interest of you know the diversity god or whatever so is it um like i think everything is amplified or exaggerated on twitter surely or any place you have online anonymity you're going to see like the most extreme exaggerated example of everything but i don't think that the um 
the anti-white male sentiment is purely a figment of the internet. I think there's quite a lot of reality to it. If it, if, um, I would say maybe it's not like the internet version of screaming in someone's face, you suck because you're a white guy or something like that. It's more mm-hmm. just like, okay, it's time for uh, performance evaluation and performance. Do we pick uh, the diversity candidate here or do we pick the white guy who's been doing his job faithfully for X amount of years now? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 quite a conundrum for me because on one hand, I, I hate DEI. On the other hand, I know that black people, specifically from um, white liberal run companies, have experienced uh, discrimination. Right. Like, you know, we had the Jim Crow era and then a lot of that stuff moved on and became a little bit more hidden. And um, so it's it's a very precarious situation between like, okay, there's really is racism. And then it's just like, how do you solve racism uh, in the corporate world? without it being DEI, right? Um, I, for one, if I'm flying on an airplane, I don't give a shit who they are. I just want the best pilot possible, right? However, I think my issue with the whole pushback on DEI is they play it as if it's a black thing. And from my point of view, it's not a black thing, right? Like affirmative action, it's been known affirmative action specifically helped white women. So when we look at um, something like DEI, DEI in some people's mind equals black. Does that does that compute in your mind the same way that DEI equals black? Or? I think, I think, and I, I encountered this a little bit in the conversations I had with the Boeing guys that when they talk about um, promotions in the workplace and stuff, my mind tends to think racially first mm-hmm. when in multiple cases they were talking about gender or you know, sex in the way that you are. They're talking yeah. about women versus men as opposed to black versus white. So right. I do think my mind is sort of primed to think that, to your point, that it sort of defaults to race as opposed to other characteristics. Right. That's and so that's my my I'm sitting here looking at this stuff online. They're saying DEI and it's like they're mad at black people. I'm like, hold on. DEI is about the rainbow before we even get to that's the color they want is the rainbow before they even get to my black ass. Yeah, right. So for example, true. if I went and did everything I had to do to become a great pilot, mm-hmm. I'm not passing the background check because I'm Hotep Jesus. I'm not getting that job because I'm black. I'm not getting that job because of my political views. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just like DEI does not recognize race. It recognizes political ideology. Interesting. And that's really what DEI is about. DEI is about who's going to follow our political ideology, that being cultural Marxism, um, the gender issue, and feminism. Yeah. And I I think if people spoke about DEI like that, you'd get a lot of black people like, yeah, I'm on board with these white guys. That's what I see happening. That is interesting. To your point, I guess, are there examples of people who are uh, like black people, women, um, gay people, trans people, whatever, who don't, who aren't in lockstep with the progressive narrative, are they selected for affirmative action or DEI reasons as commonly? My guess is no, to your point, if they're outspoken about it, at least. If they're outspoken right. in challenging that narrative, I, yeah, they probably don't count for the demographic <laughs> checkboxes. I don't think that's right. crazy to say. Right. So the fir- first line of demarcation 
is political ideology. Yeah. That, that doesn't know? sound crazy to me. Yeah. So that's why, to me, it's a bit frustrating watching it because I'm like, the black man is the white man's greatest ally and the white man is the black man's greatest ally. But somehow the powers that be got us looking at each other like we're enemies. And I'm like, nah, we're being divided based upon race while they're playing a political game, a political ideology game. Yeah. A cultural game. Yeah. You know? I, I, to me, everything feels more racially charged now than in my entire life. You know, I'm right. A, I've gone to school with uh, all, you know, I never thought of race growing up in friends I had as much as I, I think about it now, but to your point, I, I often think about it like more defensively, you know, I mean, mm. I talk about, Facts are facts. The truth is the truth. They're among any group of people, whether you're dividing by race or you're dividing by sex, you're dividing by income or whatever. You're just going to have averages that are different across groups. That's just true. And there's no value in denying that truth. At the same time, though, I want to be I want to treat each individual who comes before me respectfully and appropriately. So it's not like if, if I see an individual black guy or an individual gay person or something. I'm going to make a whole series of assumptions about that person based on demographic characteristics. But to me, the, the reaction that I feel now is, is more, I guess, defensive. Like my mm. brain is thinking, what yeah, are that's they, what it looks like to me. Yes. What are they thinking yeah. about me? What, how, what are they assigning to me on the basis of say, like I'm straight white male guy who believes in like traditional American values. I don't know. Right. And so that's the part that disturbs me as a man watching white men become defensive is a bit disappointing. I'm like, nah, man, grab your nuts and get on the offensive, man. <laughs> Take your country back, man. This shit is fucked up. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and that's the other side of this, because even if these things, if this aggression or unfair treatment toward white men is real, and I believe that it is, okay, the answer is not to throw up your arms in frustration and quit and, and say that the world's against you. And you don't stand a chance, even if there's some truth to that. I think there is. The point is with everything in life, whether it's like a bully at school or it's the forces of society who hate you on account of your, your race and sex or your politics or whatever. When you assume the things you don't like in your life are your fault, even if they aren't, you will put forth the maximum effort to change them and your life will improve. And that happened for me personally, not for racial and uh, like not for race or sex or, you know, rainbow reasons, but right. but because when I talk about when I was, you know, a reliable Democrat and in my, in my twenties, it just, I, I was more of a finger pointer, you know, like, Oh, I don't like yes. this, but it's that guy's fault. Uh, I don't like, I don't like this, but I can't do anything to change it. Yeah. Once I changed that attitude, it's like things started changing. My life got better. Now I've got my family and, and everything that's everything that's worthwhile to me. And it's because I put in that effort and assumed that I could accomplish these things if I put my mind to it. So when I, when I raise my sons, that's the kind of thing, the, the sort of things that we'll talk about. Like, yeah, there's some, some people who and don't like the, you on account of who you are, but it's your obligation to work past it still. And, and that's the, the, the other thing that bothers me is that's how men are supposed to think. And yeah. it's like the right is going on that line of live long enough to see yourself become the villain hmm. and it's like now you guys look like libtards and you know now we're calling it the woke right because now it's like oh i'm complaining about you know not enough diversity and what happened to me and woe is me and i'm like that's what you said the left was doing and you made fun of them you can't do that now right so um and the other thing too is 
Um, this isn't this isn't a. OK, let me let me let me take that back. It's definitely an attack on white people, white men, straight white male conservatives specifically. But it's just that it's your turn. Right. Like they already have destroyed black men. We're done. It's 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 a wrap for us. Um, so you're just next. Right. But really what they're trying to destroy at the core level is real positive masculinity. That's what's really being attacked here so that there's nobody to protect the woman and the children. Yeah. And, and you can see it's so interesting becoming a father the last couple of years. And, and my son, my oldest son is just over two. I've got a, a newborn now, but watching my, my oldest son develop, you can see number one, like there are things about him that are just programmed. Okay. He mm-hmm. loves trucks. He loves Tonka. He loves all that. He loves playing around in the dirt in the backyard. Nobody primed him to like those things. Nobody told him that you're a boy. So you're supposed to like trucks. It's just programmed into him. And you can see that what he needs from dad and mom are two very different things. And the idea that, that I'm interchangeable with my wife or something, we're not. I mean, when, when he falls over, he gets a boo-boo, it's straight to mom and mom has to kiss it. When he wants to experience something new and a little bit dangerous and a little bit fun, well, it's off to dad. Cause dad, you know, Dad can, uh, <laughs> he could toss you around. He could take you out to new places. He can do all sorts of things that, that mom can't. And, um, and it's, it's just very interesting to watch. Like you can see it through a little boy's experience, even though he's not even saying anything, his experience mm-hmm. with his father and his mother is fundamentally different. Both are necessary pieces to his development and his upbringing. And when you, when you diminish or remove masculinity from that equation, He's not going to be raised to be the same boy or the same man, period. And it's um, and I would say the same thing for my wife, too. I mean, we, we when we mesh genders in this way and act like these distinctions aren't meaningful and men are women and women are men, you can be whatever one you want. No, I mean, the the value that my wife brings to him is not just that she she carried him and birthed him. It's that kind of nourishing comfort uh, that, that stuff that I just can't provide, you know, like I can't, I can't like, I can't provide the same hug and kiss to my son. Even if I tried, it's just not, it's mm-hmm. like a, a mother's embrace is just different. And what she does for him is just different. And I totally agree with your point that, um, you start manufacturing weak men or no men at all. You, you watch social downfall and I think we're witnessing it. I want to be respectful of your time and I know you got to go. Last question. What is the greatest threat we need to look out for in 2024, this um, uh, very entertaining election year and disastrous and eventful? What is the greatest threat we need to look out for in this year? I wish I had some answer that that would be shocking. But the thing is, we've witnessed so much of it in the last few years. And that's what scares me about trying to answer that question. Like what, what is the next thing? In 2020, I did not foresee crazy Chinese virus uh, you know, that, that upended everything and totally changed the rules of how we vote and how we interact socially. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I guess I guess the most dangerous thing to me is just believing what you're told. Like whatever mm. is on the news as the thing, probably assume the opposite and you'll be in better shape. I, I hate to be so simple in the analysis, but it's so bad these days. Like whatever the current thing is, is almost certainly a lie. We've seen a sequence of that over and over again. And it's not just a lie. It's a lie to get you to behave a certain way. 
mm-hmm. and and exert a certain level of control over you on the basis of that lie. So uh, just just believing anything too easily, I think, is the greatest danger. I'd have to pick that. Hotep Jesus. Oh, this is a real hotel brother. Man, nailed it. Nailed it. I, that's that's the shit I'll be saying. Um, Matt Christensen, thank you very much for gracing the Griff Report. I have your um ex account description box below. I'll um retrieve your YouTube and uh would you rather the YouTube website? What do you want in the description the box? Best would be to direct people to my website. It's got everything I host there, whether okay. it's on my own or whether it's through Tenant, and it's uh mattchristensenmedia.com. It's a long okay. last can you name. send me the URL? Yeah. Uh, can, in a DM, I followed you and I'll post it. Yes, I can do that as soon as we're you want me to do that right now or when we're done here? Or we're done. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that as soon as I, I sign off. Okay, cool. All you got to do is hit the leave button and then I'll continue to show here. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Pleasure, man. Talk to you soon.